This sicha is from the week of Shabbos Parshas Kairach, Gimel Tammuz, Tavshin and Aleph. In this sicha, the Rebbe answers the question of why miracles are often enclosed within the natural worldly order. And he connects it to three miraculous events which are connected to this week. The Rebbe begins by bringing down the story of Gimel Tammuz, Tafresh Pezayin, when the Rebbe Rayatz was released from prison in Leningrad, on the condition that he spent three years in Gullus in the city of Kastrama. At the time, they didn't know whether this was a positive step, because although Gullus is preferable to imprisonment, it's also connected with many sakanas and hardships. Afterwards, on Yudbeis Tammuz, the Freetaker Rebbe received the news that he would be freed, and on Yud Gimel Tamas, he received the official documents that said this, because Yud Beis Tamas was a, some kind of national holiday. So it was revealed then that Gimel Tamas was his chalta de, de Geula. It was the first stage of the process of Geula. Not only that, but they found out that there was actually a death sentence that had been issued previously. And the sentence of Gullus represented a lessening of his judgment, which led to his ultimate geula on Yudbeis Yud Gimel Tammuz. So a person might ask the question, since the geula is a nes, mishamayim, why did it have to come in stages? Why couldn't Hashem have granted a complete redemption to the Friedrich Rebbe immediately? Not only that, we see that after Yudbeis Tammuz, when the previous Rebbe was freed, he did not achieve a complete victory over his oppressors. There were still many restrictions in place for the Yidin in Russia, to the point that the Friedrich Rebbe was forced to leave the country. And even then, the restrictions remained in place, and it wasn't until recently, more than 60 years after his Geula, that the Yidin are finally being redeemed, so to speak, from Russia and are able to live freely as Yidin and leave the country if they so choose. So surely this pattern that Geula comes in stages is controlled by Hashkacha Pratis. And so there's, it's necessary for us to try to understand what the reason is for this pattern. And this is even more relevant because the Rebbe Reyats was a Nasi Yisrael, and so everything that happened to him is connected to the entire Yiddish nation. Like the Rebbe Reyats wrote himself in a very well-known letter, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu did not redeem me alone on Yudbeis Tamas, but also all those who hold our holy Tyra dear, who observe its mitzvahs, and all those who are called by the name Yisrael. The second occurrence that the Rebbe mentions happened many years previously, and it was the great miracle of Shemesh Begivain Daim, the sun that stopped over Givain. Here too we had the question, on one hand, the stopping of the sun was a very great ness, but on the other hand, it also had a limitation to it. Why did the sun stop? So that Yehoshua could complete the battle against the Kananim. They were almost victorious, and with just a little more daylight hours, they would be able to completely vanquish the Kananim. But this battle was fought through natural means. Seemingly, Hashem could have worked a different miracle and caused the Kananim to be defeated without any battle at all. And then there's a question within the miracle itself. 
Did the miracle merely keep the sun's rays shining so that Yeshua could carry on the battle? So for this, all that was necessary was for the sun itself to stop. Or was the miracle extended to the broader natural system, affecting all the orbits which govern the sun's movements? We see this similar question again in regards to the nest that took place in this week's uh, parasha, which was Parach Mate Aharain. After Kairach made his revolt, Moshe took the staffs of all the Nisim and, and the staff of Aharain, and he put them together in the Ahamayet. He put Aharain's staff in the middle of all the others, and a great nest occurred, and overnight Aharon's staff sprouted flowers and fruit. Again, we have the question. Since the whole point of the miracle here was to show that Hashem had chosen Aharon, why was it necessary for the nest to take place according to the natural process of the way that the almond grows, that first the branch would bud, and then it would flower, and then it would give fruit? Seemingly, it would have been sufficient for them to produce the fruit. That would have been a great enough sign to show that Hashem had chosen Aharon. So here we see that the miracle actually permeated the natural order of the world, and therefore the staff sprouted almonds in a natural way within the context of the miracle. The, Bre the Rebbe brings out a beautiful explanation here explaining this Indian. In Pirkei Avas, the Chachamim tell us, Everything that Hashem created in His world, He created solely for His honor. The words of the Mishnah, everything that Hashem created, teaches us that since Hashem made known in His Torah that everything was created by Hashem, and also the manner in which it came about, that Hashem invested of His time and effort during Sheshis Yimei Breshis to create each entity with a particular creative force, Yesh from nothingness, through the power of the Kayach Ha'atzmos, and specifically, as the Baal Shem Tov teaches us, that the entire Bria is renewed every single moment from absolute nothingness, so this is a proof that Hashem wants the creations to have a connection to the Creator so that they can add Kiviyachal to the covet of Hashem. Because if this was not the case, why would Hashem have created the world in a way that He's constantly bringing it into existence? He could have made it with one great burst of energy that could have lasted for 6,000 years. And even though we learn in Shah HaYichud Ve'amunah that there's a logical proof that since the world is created Yesh Me'ayin, it must be maintained continuously by Hashem. But these proofs apply only within the context of the world as it exists after creation. Since Hashem is beligvul, He could have lechatchila created the world with an entirely different framework and structure. The Rebbe explains that the reason is so that each creation will feel that he has the ability to make a contribution, to add to Kavayit Hashem through his personal avayda. And this brings true satisfaction, tremendous einig to a person. So Hashem therefore chose to make the world in this manner, with this constant creation with the Bria, so every moment of existence of existence of the world presents an opportunity for each particular creation to reveal Hashem's glory. For instance, when Yid makes the bracha of Shahakal Niyah 
he reveals Hashem's word and the creative force within the water itself. And so too with every bracha, it reveals the uniqueness of Hashem's creative energy within that element. Just as we see Hashem's glory is revealed within nature, so too it's revealed within nisim. With most nisim, the purpose of the ness is not that the miracle should remain above the natural order of the world, but rather it should become invested within the details of Teva itself. We see this in connection to the nisim we mentioned above. With Parachmata Aharain, we see that the nase remained connected to the Teva of the world. The blossoming occurred in the natural order. There was budding, there was blossoming, and then we had the emergence and the ripening of the fruit. In Hasidus, it explains that it has a connection with the Kuhuna as well. The Chiddush of Birchas Kayanim is that it is able to draw down a Lukus from a place that is Lamaila Meseder Hishtalshalus. And therefore, it is connected with Zrizus, alacrity, which is why Hashem chose almonds specifically as a sign that He chose Aharon for the Kuhuna, since they ripen more quickly than any other fruit, normally in 21 days. But here in our case, the ripening took place overnight, since the Zrizus shows on the drawing down the Maila Meseder Hishtalshlus. In the natural progression of Bracha into this world, there are obstacles along the way. Throughout the descent from one Hegel to the next, there is judgment to determine if the recipient is fitting for the bracha. However, with Birchas Kayanim, the Shefa descends very quickly, Bizrizus, without any hindrances or stoppages, and throughout all the Seder Hishtalshlus, like was shown with Mata Aharon, that together with the fact that it was miraculous and very quick, it was still connected to the natural order of the growth of the fruit. We can apply this concept too to the miracle of Shemesh Begivain Daim with Yehoshua. The purpose of the nest was not to supersede the nature of the world, but to transform nature itself. Therefore, the enemy was not defeated through supernatural means. Rather, it made way for the natural success to be met in a more complete and inclusive manner. The Rebbe concludes from this that the miracle of the sun standing still affected the entire orbit of the sun and all the heavenly bodies that are connected to its movements, which gave the Ness a closer connection to Teva, making a change within the Teva itself. The same too applies to the Ness of Gimel Tammuz and the Rebbe Reyatz's liberation. Although the miracle certainly transcended nature, it also influenced nature, so that the Teva of the world had to agree, Kaviyachal, to the miraculous series of events. And as we know, it was the same people who imprisoned the Friedrich Rebbe that set him free and assisted with certain aspects of his Geula. In the next part of the Sicha, which we'll just touch on briefly, the Rebbe discusses the Teva of the fourth month of the year. In Gematria, we know four is Dalid, and Dalud Dalid uh, expresses Dalus, poverty, and it represents Bittal, the essential point of the Yid's Neshama, which is connected to the essence of Hashem. So it is a Bittal that connects us with the very highest levels of Elokos. And this has a special hirah for us in our Avaida, for ourselves, and how we interact with the world as well, as in our Nyani Teren Mitzvahs and our Nyani Rishus, things that are related to a person's livelihood. And specifically, the Rebbe emphasizes in regards to our Avaida of spreading Taira and Yiddishkeit and Hasidus to the world. From the fact 
that Aaron's matter was commanded by the Torah, the Mishmeris Ice, it was to be preserved as a sign, we see that it has a lesson that's applicable for all generations. In our Avedis Hashem, even though a Yid needs to act from a place of Kabbalah's Ol, higher than reason and logic, and in a manner of Zrizus, which is above limitations and boundaries, nonetheless, after we have laid the foundation of Kabbalah's all, we must use all our inner kaychas, all our natural talents and tendencies, including our very essence, and this will bring to Zrizus de Kedusha. In Ninyani Rishus, which relates to one's Parnasa, we see by Mata Aharon that it was put inside the Aharon together with a measure of the Mun. To remind the Yidin that our Parnassa is dependent on Hashem and not on natural means alone. In the times of Yirmiyahu and Navi, Yirmiyahu came to the Yidin and he asked, Why aren't you busy involved with learning Taira? They answered, If we leave our jobs, from where will our Parnassa come? Yirmiyahu took out the jar of the Mun and he said to them, Look, your fathers were sustained with this. Hashem has many shluchim to prepare food for those that fear him. So the almonds of Mata Aharain teach us that Gashmi's food can grow in a miraculous manner and very quickly. And so too it is with the Yitz Parnassah. We must prepare a natural keli. And through our having a Muna and Hashem, we are able to receive a bracha for Parnassah from Hashem in a miraculous way yet in a manner that is dressed within the natural Seder of the world, so that it is apparent that the world and the nations themselves are assisting with the livelihood of B'nai Yisrael, enabling them to enjoy prosperity, as we have seen in our present generation. Regarding the Avaida of Hafatas Mayanas Chutzah, which has expanded tremendously since the Geula of Gimel and Yudbeis Yud Gimel Tammuz, a yid has to make this avaida a part of his essential being. When he wakes up in the morning, he must feel that his entire existence is the spreading of chassidus. Not that he dedicates himself to the goal, but that spreading chassidus is his actual being. And after that, he must bring it down even further to change and influence himself, his seichel, his midas, his inner kaychas, and then his surroundings, the yeshiva, the base medrash, the base knesses, those beyond himself, and even to the very farthest, lowest levels, the most distant from Kedusha. A living example of this is the story of the Chassid. He was walking in the street in Petterburg, and he was stopped by a policeman. This was in the times when it was a Sakana there. And in response to the officer's question, he asked him, who goes there? The Chassid answered, Bittel goes here meaning to say that the entire totality of his existence was Bittal. And the fact that he answered in Russian, the language of the place itself, emphasized how the Bittal had permeated and transformed even the language of the place. But a person can still have a question here. He might ask, even if I carry out my part perfectly to the perfection of Bittal, what effect can this Avaida have on the world at large? On the surface, the world seems very unaffected by the Yidzavayda. He's only a very small part of the world. The Gayim are many more than us. And he's trying to spread Hafatzas Mayanas Chutzah. He doesn't see a change in the world. He's preparing for Mashiach's arrival, and he doesn't see that the world is making a, making a difference there. 
The answer, the Rebbe says, though, is that the world is already prepared. And when a Yid carries out his Avaita properly, that is above limitations, but within the parameters of nature, he will see how the world itself and the Umayis Ha'ilam will assist him. Being that today is Chavches Sivan, the day the Rebbe and Rebetzin arrived in America, and a day on which the Rebbe said that we should make Fabrengans. So I'll just add my own little Fabrengan takeaway here from this Sicha. The Avaita of our generation is Bittal and Kabbalah's all, like we explained before. And as the Dar Hashvi, we are connected Malchus, and which has no quality of its own. So this has to be the foundational approach to every single aspect of our lives. We need to activate this bittel to enable ourselves. The bittel to Ratzon Hashem empowers us to reach our fullest potential. It doesn't bring us down. It actually gives us extra keichas. It is our gullus mindset and limitations that makes us think that we're not able or that we're not talented enough, etc. But when we remember that we are here for the sole purpose to enhance Kvayt Hashem, we remember that we have a nasi that relays Dvar Hashem to us, so we don't let us and don't allow ourselves the luxury of seeing obstacles. We rely on the nasi's directives and we move forward. Specifically now, and I'm referring to the past thirty years, when the Rebbe told us and he showed us by example, like with the reporter from CNN, that we must tell the world that Mashiach is coming any single moment, and people should prepare themselves. And as the Rebbe is telling us in the Sicha, we don't have to worry about what the world will say because the world itself is ready and it will help us fulfill our mission. Since this was true then, 30 years ago, when the Rebbe said this, it's certainly many more times true now, where we are living in a time where the Sheker of the world is daily becoming more exposed. And now more than ever, people are hungry and they're searching for truth. So Hashem should help us and the Rebbe should help us that we should be able to come up with some kind of great global plan together, if anyone has any ideas, to bring this message of Geula to the world. And then we can have the Maila of Birchas Kayanim, where we can quickly bring down the Bracha of Geula through the entire Seder Hishtalshlus without any obstacles. And it should happen today so that we can celebrate Gimel Tamos, the Eschalta de Geula, all together with our Rebbe and Rebbetzin in the base of Mikdash Eshlishi. Bimheira Amen.